Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre as well. We've got a jam-packed show for you today, Theology Thursday, coming your way here at the bottom of the hour. Um, I'm going to make an update to the very first wide-distributed book I ever wrote that was uh, published by somebody other than me. Uh, Rules for Patriots. I'm going to update that in light of the times in which we live. And we will discuss that during Theology Thursday coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we have an interview coming up that I am very much looking forward to. Attorney Thomas Renz has been waging war against COVID stand from the very beginning. And he has just filed a landmark lawsuit, we hope, anyway. And he's got a client by the name of Andrew Huff. And if you don't know that name, you want to. And we will discuss that with Thomas Renz coming up in the next hour of the show. And then we will have three non-political questions as well. If you missed it last night, yours truly was one of the panelists and guests on uh, the Wednesday Glenn Beck special. It's a preview of the midterm elections. Uh, yours truly alongside Stu and alongside our buddy Matt Peterson uh, over at the Claremont Institute. We joined Glenn for the entire hour to break everything down. You can watch that on Blaze TV. You got to watch it exclusively on Blaze TV last night first. It is now available to watch for the for everybody else via YouTube. So if you want to get into the, the what we all are projecting and predicting based on the data that we are seeing, you know, I had an update uh, from one of my little birdies who's on the ground in a battleground, a key battleground state. I don't want to tell you which one, but it's a, it's a key battleground state that's been in the news a lot. And he is overseeing, I'll just, um, I'll call it a large investment in Hispanic outreach. In this battleground state, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll, he's overseeing a large investment in Hispanic outreach in this battleground state. He told me this morning they have seen a 14 point swing in Hispanics in this state since they went on the ground there. And then he listed to me the Hispanics that they switch. The, the priority issues for them. How they rank them. Number one. Crime, and he said critical race theory. Now, when I tweeted this out earlier and put it on social media, I didn't have time uh, to spell this out more, but he said that Hispanic voters view crime and critical race theory as a singular issue. Now, the, the, basically, the teaching of what they basically see as some form of black supremacy actually leads to more crime. That's how, that's how they view the issue, actually. So they they put them together. That one is the is the indoctrination that leads to the other. For example, um, the uh, the the next issue was the transgendering of the children. That was the next issue that was on their priority list, uh, or the schools, the transgendering of the schools, and what was the next one? Uh, and the economy. It was crime and critical race theory, the transgendering of the schools. Um, and the economy, those were the top issues. And the economy was third on that list. It was those two culture issues that were the, the top two issues that they are seeing in their responses from Hispanics that they are flipping 
in this battleground state. And if there's a swing that's that big, I'd imagine that age demographics are all they're answering young and old look along those lines more so or less he's one of the people that has told me what that has that has shared their data that i have cited that this is generational that you have you know uh just boomer hispanics that have been democrats since they came to the country or were born here and they are just kind of bought in that you know republicans are xenophobes and don't want us and wouldn't let me come over here and you know uh, be a migrant worker or work, you know, uh, illegally. And so um, he's, he is seeing this switch amongst Gen X and younger, P particularly Hispanics between you and I's age and Aaron's age. Hispanics that have young families You're that are raising their children that are now fully assimilated. They don't view themselves. These aren't the people that are like waving the Mexican flag when the U.S. plays Mexico in the World Cup like we've seen in past sure. years. These are Americans. Full-fledged, they've been assimilated. They don't care about DACA or any of that crap anymore. They view themselves as Americans. They don't want to import Honduras and Ecuador and El Salvador to the U.S. They left those places, you know, to get away from that stuff. They're raising their families here. And uh, this agenda, they realize from Democrats, is just on a civilization level, not sustainable. And the amount of goodies that pre the, the older generation got for joining the Democrats, the grief to profit ratio, like the thing today with Joe Biden's, you know, inflation driven social security dividend increase, right? Okay. 64 year old Hispanic that was already going to vote for Joe Biden already, totally, you know, or the Democrats already. That's great news for them. For people in you and I's generation and Aaron's who number one, aren't even sure they're going to get a social security dividend when in their time comes, you know what I'm saying? Right now they're, they're doing the math and the math of the crime in my community for a social security dividend that I may never get 20, 30 years from now, that dog ain't gonna hunt, right? So that's what's going on. It's generational, which means there's a potential here for it to be permanent, but that would require like a alternative party that they voted for to govern accordingly and reward them for their vote. So good luck finding such a being. I'm not sure such an entity exists outside of a few handful of races around the country, but they're open for business, basically. If you have a swing that large, but it's not attributable to an entire <clears throat> demographic, just a portion of it, meaning uh, some of them are just immovable for any number of reasons, but it's still that big. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you ultimately compare it pound for pound. I'm sure you'll know how to do it. But if this, as you've said earlier in the week, the red wave is turning into a red tsunami, this could arguably be midterm or otherwise, it could pound be for pound, one yeah. of the greatest, most historic landslides in all of electoral. I agree. Now, here's the thing. This, this, this could be for Hispanic voters with JFK picking up the phone and calling Martin Luther King Jr. in jail was that be, that began the mass migration of black voters and then democrats delivered on that with the voting rights act of 1964 in the great society under lbj and that confirmed that cemented that con let's use a you know my daughter's getting married next week so let's use that language that consummated that relationship okay they're taking the phone calls they're attracted they're interested maybe even said yes when you handed them an engagement ring Okay, so when this is over, though, the Republicans have to consummate this marriage. Oh, they <laughs> yeah, they have to deliver. They have to deliver. Well, there's that. There's that. Is somebody like Lindsey Graham capable? Hmm. Hmm. 
So now some good news. We've got a new partner here on the show. Anyway, you want to watch that special because we also did get into the future. We not we didn't just analyze what's gonna what we think's gonna happen here in three and a half weeks, but we got into the future. If if I'm right or anything close to right, what happens next? We got into that too. So make sure you don't miss that election special we did last night here on Blaze TV. We have a brand new partner on the show. I met with these folks last week, and we just lived through an era where safe, effective, well-known antibiotics or drugs suddenly were blackballed, you know, and no longer available, right? We just lived through that kind of an era. So we have a new partner on the show. It's called Jace Medical. J as in Jack, Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com is where you want to go. JaceMedical.com is where you want to go. Who would have, who would have thought? Who would have thought 30 months ago that you would have lived to have seen the day that a drug that had been on the market for 60 years with FDA approval would now be called dangerous? After they had given it to literally tens of millions of people. And then another drug that they gave to hundreds of millions of people and won a Nobel Prize with just five years prior to a pandemic was suddenly now labeled dangerous. That you would see headlines in the New York Times, aspirin maybe isn't good for you. Right? Right. I mean... Uh, the Z pack, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, Azurthromycin was part of that pack. Well, that's part of what's in this pack as well from Jace Medical. Some of the best known, most effective antibiotics in human history to make sure that the next time they say, no, you, you can't take that. It would save you. And frankly, we're trying to kill you. If you don't think the dozens of, of medical graduates in that video from Minnesota yesterday. Literally just standing up and affirming Satan in all of his works at a graduation ceremony. If you don't think that's five, five minutes after that is when they tell you, no, you can't have this safe and effective drug that might save your life because that goes against my agenda. Then I want to live in the world you're living in because it's not this one. Who knows? Who knows what drugs that have saved lives for decades the next time they try to kill us they will suddenly say are no longer safe so what they do at jace medical uh is they put together uh this packet of some of the safest most effective including um amoxicillin and others antibiotics in the history of medicine you know back when we still did that and it can get to you uh, dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost takes just a few minutes if you just want to make sure, hey, this look at this is the My Patriot supply of medicine, basically, right? JaceMedical.com is where you want to go. J-A-S-E, brand new partner here on the show. JaceMedical.com. That's where you want to go. All right, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by, it can always get worse. U.S. inflation hit 8.2% in September. The core consumer price index surged to 6.6%, the highest since 1982. Producer price inflation jumped by four-tenths of a percent, all the way to 8.5% in September. That's more than what was expected. Of course, this is the data the government is actually publishing, so you know it's even worse than that. I'm now breaking my self-imposed moratorium on anything regarding the Pennsylvania Senate race for this. NBC News reporter Dasha Burns produced this astounding report, a one-on-one sit-down with candidate John Fetterman. And Dasha, this was not a typical candidate interview. 
No, Lester, because of his stroke, Fetterman's campaign required closed captioning technology for this interview to essentially read our questions as we ask them. And Lester, in small talk before the interview without captioning, it wasn't clear he was understanding our conversation. Can voters trust that you will be able to do this job on day one? Yeah, of, of course. This is Pennsylvania Democratic Senate candidate John Fetterman's first in-person sit-down interview since a stroke sidelined him from the campaign trail for months. That auditory processing where you know, I'll hear someone speaking, but sometimes they'll be able to be uh, precise on what exactly that they're saying. I use captioning. His campaign required that he be allowed to use a transcription program on his computer during our interview. I always thought I was pretty empathetic, uh, uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Twitter blue checks across the board were quick to attack the NBC News gal for even producing this report, capped off with what amounts to a nasty hit piece against her from the Associated Press. The University of Pittsburgh's medical school testified under oath in court recently that it does not harvest the scalps and other body parts of murdered babies. But the Center for Medical Progress is back with another report which disputes this. Uh, the, the Pitt Bioassessment Court did not obtain tissue from Planned Parenthood or any other source other than the UPMC facility. For those of you listening, what we're watching are photographs taken just last week showing an organ harvesting company linked with Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania and the University of Pittsburgh parked in the driveway of a Planned Parenthood location with coolers in tow carrying bags out of the baby killing facility. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was lambasted at a recent town hall. Congresswoman, none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war, which you voted to send arms and weapons to Ukraine. Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the Democratic Party because there are women who are hawks, okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider, yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting to start a third nuclear war with Russia and China. Why are you playing with the lives of American citizens? You're playing with our lives. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You remember that flap last year where horse-mounted Border Patrol agents were seen adjusting their reins? A photo was taken and the media, along with the Biden administration, tried to claim the agents were whipping Haitian illegal aliens. This is how Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas responded to the incident back then. That is something, that is something that horrified us all. And you know, this morning I was on radio and um, the interviewer uh, said that it was, uh, it troubled uh, very profoundly the black and the African American community. And I, I, I said one thing, and, and it, this should be clear. Those are not the only communities that it, um, it horrified. We now know that prior to making those comments, Mayorkas was informed in a briefing that the Border Patrol agents were not, in fact, whipping the illegals. Ukrainian greenshirt Vladimir Zelensky took time out of his busy schedule bilking Western elites out of billions of dollars to have a hologram of himself made. Of course, he had an onset fashion designer present because reasons. Professional provocateur Alex Jones is being ordered by a Connecticut court to pay nearly $1 billion to the families of 
of the victims of the Sandy Hook massacre after the families launched a defamation case against him. Jones's legal team says it plans to appeal. And finally, the Babylon Bee is back with what happens when Californians move to Texas, part two. So I heard you guys moved back to California. Actually, is that true? Oh, we did. But when we got there, squatters were in our homes. And by state law, we can't evict them for months. So we moved back. That's horrible. We had no real right to the house anyways, it being on the traditional and unceded homelands of the Tongva, Chumash, and Kitsch peoples. Huh. Well, we are about to eat, so we're going to say a few words. Mm, a land use acknowledgement. Uh, uh, Grace. I don't get it. Pray. Oh, like the emoji! Exactly. <laughs> Just like that. You can watch the full video on the Babylon Bee's YouTube channel, and that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Masterworks. If you want to get involved in some of the best investing portfolio possibilities out there, uh, check out our friends over at Masterworks. Um, that They have a higher yield in high-end art. They have a higher yield than both real estate and gold. That's why we continue to partner with Masterworks. They buy the same contemporary art, legends like Picasso and more, break it into shares, and you can invest for a fraction of the cost. That's why we have been talking about Masterworks for months, and these guys are the real deal. So far, they've sold six paintings for an average net return of 29%. That's the kind of ROI Nancy Pelosi gets with insider trading, folks. All right, 29% ROI over their last six so, uh, purchases, or I should say uh, uh, things they've sold. I'm, you know what? I've watched John Fetterman, and now I cannot talk. All right. Demand for Masterworks is surging, and there's even a waiting list. You can skip it, though, by using our special code. To join, simply go to masterworks.com and use the promo code Steve again. That's masterworks.com, promo code Steve again. Masterworks.com, promo code Steve. Did I just pull a Joe Biden and read the again off the, off the teleprompter? I did. These guys are becoming terrible influences on me. It's masterworks.com slash Steve, not masterworks.com. Steve again. Oh boy. Someone give me the John Fetterman screen so I can just read directly off of that, please. That's uh, okay. You'll still get at least 40% of the vote no matter how bad you do. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Which is yeah. very concerning. Yes. Masterworks.com slash Steve. That's where you want to go. Masterworks.com slash Steve. All right. Let's get to, we're going to talk about the Alex Jones verdict in the overtime today at uh, blazetv.com slash dace we'll record that right after today's show and if you're a blaze tv subscriber you'll be able to watch it there later today at blazetv.com slash dace if you're not yet one you'll be able to purchase a blaze tv subscription there at a discount today at blazetv.com slash dace i'm going to make a case that we are seeing the worst without I'm not even going to use the analysis that I've seen some of the more savvy economic people in, on our side use, you know, where you can prorate this inflation rate and things of that nature to all the various goods and services that is, it is systemically, um, it, it, it's systemically impacting and get to an inflation rate of 15, 20%. I'm not even going to do that. I, just like we did with COVID, guys. I'm even going to use the BS number. I'm just going to use the BS numbers that they're giving us because I can bury them with just their own BS numbers. That's how we survived not getting canceled and banned. 
uh, for how many months? Because we, I made, I, believe me, I was very tempted. But I realized the first time I did that, I'd play right into their hands. So I always just use their own BS data because I could, I could hang the noose around their necks just tightly enough to do the job with just that, right? Okay. I'm just going to go with their obviously BS inflation number that we have right now. And I'm going to make the case just with that number. And I'm going to do it in less than five minutes. This is the worst inflation in American history. The worst ever. It was only 19 months ago that Donald Trump had his final full month in office in the White House. December of 2020. Only 19 months ago. Doesn't it seem like it was a lot longer ago yes. than that? Yes. I mean, we thought during the Trump years with the, the exhausting urination contest of meaningless between him and the media, we were aging in dog years then, right? What are we doing now? Aging in nat years? Yeah got a 12 year old who walks around the kitchen saying what biden's still got two more years left. <laughs> yes we're aging in that years now right like i feel like this is my last flight y'all tapping out all right see you next season all right so 19 months ago was donald trump's final full month in the white house december of 2020 19 months ago compared to september of 2022 which is when we have this new data since donald trump's last month in office by their own BS numbers, inflation has increased in America by 485%. By their own numbers, by their own underreported numbers, their own out of context numbers. Just taking the top line number that they put out there this morning from the Bureau of Labor, or from the government, just putting the top line number out there and going back to where inflation was in December, what the report was in December of 2020, Donald Trump's last full month in office, inflation in 19 months in this country has increased 485%. In 19 months. To me, that, that's beyond let's go, Brandon. That's, and then I saw another horse. That, that's biblical, cosmic kind of stuff. And I'm going to now prove to you it's the worst inflation we've ever had. Because a lot of you are going to say, if I were to ask you, what was the worst time, economic time in American history? What would everybody say? Great Depression. The Great Depression. Except the problem during the Great Depression was deflation. There wasn't enough wealth in the country to inflate the prices of things. There was no market for people to buy them. You, 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 couldn't have, you could not have seen home mortgage rates go up. 189% as they have under Joe Biden because there weren't enough people with the money to put a down payment on a home to purchase one in the first place. We had deflation in the Great Depression, not inflation. Deflation. 
one of the arguments that was made about the New Deal when you when 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 they were attacked at the time. Hey, if you print all this government money, which by the way, <laughs> all right, I don't know where FDR is in eternity, but wherever he is, if he can get a message to him, I am sure he would be like, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what this is. All right. But one of the arguments when you that, that were made back in the 30s is, hey, if you print all this government money, you're going to cause inflation. And the Keynesians were like, we know we're trying to. That's we need the government to spend the money. No one has any money to spend. We have deflation. We don't have an economy. So we so what's the only other what's the only outfit in the country that can print its own money and spend find ways to spend it? The government. They were trying to cause inflation. That was the argument. Deflation was the problem in the Great Depression. 485% increase in inflation in this country by their own underestimated, underreported numbers in 19 months. And I think I did it in five minutes. I just proved to you it's the worst we've ever had in American history. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, it's intentional. I'm, I just had an epiphany while you were talking, and you're going to go on, no doubt, to talk about it. But with John Fetterman, the, the poor quality of his candidacy, yet he'll still get 40%. It's intentional. With the off-camera, we were talking about how pop culture, how, how bad things are. It's not accidental. It's intentional. They are trying to establish a new baseline of garbage that we will be forced to eat. Manage decay. At every level. It is yeah. what they want. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Because the thought occurred to me, like, how much worse can it get? That's kind of a moot question because we're going to find out one way or another. It's not kind of an esoteric, it's not an ethereal question because of what Todd said. It couldn't get this bad by accident. It could Correctly. You have to be trying. And again, I'm going to repeat this and I will keep repeating it till my face, uh, till, till I'm blue in the face. This was done, this the, the the key reason why the 2020 election was stolen is because they were afraid Donald Trump would actually be able to manage this in a way that actually, you know, benefited America mm-hmm. and Americans. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't he wouldn't have record low lease rates for oil companies. Mm-hmm. When you look at all of the uh, when you do actually extrapolate the leading factors of inflation, it's all energy. It's almost all energy that trickles down to everything. And this green, green agenda, meaning a control agenda, is the key reason why we're seeing what we see right now. It has a twofold benefit. One, you wreck these oil companies, which they're kind of doing that to themselves anyway, because they I like I haven't seen any evidence to the contrary. I think they're made up of the same woke people as uh, most of the other corporations. So you wreck those companies by not allowing them to actually lease and pump and produce more oil that we can use here at home. And two... You crash this on purpose so that you can cloud piven this thing on the back end. Yeah. And create a whatever you want, a central bank digital currency, or at least implement that alongside a traditional cash society. They're doing this on purpose. I agree. They're, they're following a playbook here, and I don't know how much more obvious that could be at this point. I, I agree. I, I agree. They have had, and I said this on the Glenn Beck special last night here on Blaze TV, they had an entire year to conjure up some cosmetic artificial insemination of the economy. And they didn't even attempt it. 
They, they literally, they're, they're out there bragging today about an increase in the, in the Social Security COLA when it's, it's by law tied to the inflation rate. It's not like something they, I mean, they did it, but unintentionally. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they never made any attempt. And you know, Aaron won't remember this. You and I remember very well the Clinton years, triangulation. You know, Bill Clinton would get behind, kick Hillary out of the Oval Office, bring Dick Morris in, and help me to craft some narrative that I've moved to the middle. Right. You know, they didn't do any of that. No, they did not. And they're never doing it again. That is something we have to come to grips with here on the right. And that 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 I, I was wondering watching Aaron's montage. What if we still had actual liberals? that were anti-war and anti-corporate America, would we be, would we be doing the shows that Bill Maher and Russell Brand hmm. are doing now, but from the other, from the right, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Looking at, looking at the military industrial complex and the big pharma industrial complex and the scam of those things, would, would, we, would we be the Russell Brands and Bill Maher's of that era? Well, you've because, been that for a very long time. But, but there, aren't, there, aren't, there really aren't any, any liberals left. There really aren't. And you can tell who the few remaining liberals are. I just mentioned a few yes. of their names. Tulsi Gabbard is another one. Joe Rogan's another one. These people are liberals. They, they want government to permit you to do the things that God says is dumb and immoral. What they're not is spirit of the age leftists that are into government compelling you to do them. Right? And what you're seeing, what you've seen over the last few years is that there aren't really any liberals left in America. Very few. If you are a pet owner, then, you you know, that thing is an important part of your family. It's health, it's happiness, important to you, especially the kids, if you've got those. That means more than just good old food and water. That dog needs more, especially from its food, because chances are the food that you bought it from the store was stripped before it ever got there, before it ever left the factory of a lot of the good stuff your pet needs. Same thing they do to to to, to the people food we eat these days. Um, And that's why we take so many supplements. That's why it's one of the biggest sections of every grocery store nowadays. Mass distribution. So they take a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients out that we need for longer shelf life. We've got to put that stuff back into our diet. And now your pet needs that too. Thankfully, we've got just the supplement for them. It's called Rough Greens. It's the supplement powder that you mix into your pet's food. And with that one little act... You have restored the vast majority of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that have been taken out of your dog's food that your dog needs. But you might be wondering, what if my dog doesn't like it? What if, I mean, you're just telling us about 485% higher inflation, Steve. Last thing I need is another let's go Brandon expenditure. We agree. That's why we're going to give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F is how you can take advantage of this deal at roughgreens.com. You pay for the shipping because we want you to have some skin in the game here so that you'll follow through because we think it'll be good for your pet. But we'll pick up the larger expense. We'll give you that first 14-day bag for free. Roughgreens.com or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. For Theology Thursday this week, I want to put off one more week the study we're going to do for our final book study here for Theology Thursday in 2022. 
because I was thinking about something uh, yesterday. And and first, let me let me state why I think this is an important conversation. And regardless of your theological doctrine, assuming it comes from any form of a theistic viewpoint, okay? If it, if it doesn't come from a theistic viewpoint, if it comes from a demonic or an atheistic one, then I don't know why you're probably tuned into Theology Thursday anyway, <laughs> all right? But if you have some form of a theistic belief system, this will, this will apply. Because regardless of the doctrinal differences between evangelicals, Catholics, Jews, LDS, and we're certainly not the show that would water those differences down. We are not the show that would say they're not important. I mean, I I have based my entire belief system around Sola Scriptura. Todd has based his entire belief system around Catholic ecclesiology. So we don't believe these doctrinal differences are trite at all. We don't. However, what we are recognizing is the same thing is true in all of these variations. The devil, the, the Bible is clear. The devil is not omniscient. Only God is. The devil does not know whom God has called to salvation in Christ. Does not know. Only the lamb slain before the foundation of the world is qualified to open the book of life. Only God knows. The devil is not omniscient. He's just old. Only God is all-knowing. Only God is omniscient. That's why if you believe in election as I do, because it's preached in the Bible, you still evangelize. You don't know who's in the book of life. You have no idea. I I remember in high school growing up in Christian Reform, West Michigan, I had a substitute teacher once tell me, based on the way you act, I didn't know what any of this stuff meant in 1988. You know, I grew up in a pagan home. Based on the way you act, it's clear that you weren't elected to be saved. We can't expect any better out of your days. He literally told me this. Okay. So we don't know whom God has called to save and has not. So we preach to the lost regardless so that no man has an excuse that they were left behind, that they didn't know. The devil doesn't know either, which is why any, anything that attempts to inspire us, hell, comic books, our form of mythology in our day and age, anything that causes us or inspires us to seek truth seek a moral righteousness to, to move beyond our craven basic instincts and, and try to be better than the total depravity we were born with. Anything, anything the devil is against. Anything that might cause you to reconsider something bigger than yourself, he wants to crush before that train even gets started. This is why you are seeing, like I'll just use evangelical and LDS. There's a chasm of doctrinal differences between our two camps. But we're facing the exact same epistemological problems. Wokeness, watered down, social justice. We're facing the exact same issues. Why? Because anything that inspires 
God's highest form of creation, us. We're the only beings in the universe made in his image. Anything that inspires us to look up instead of look down, the devil is against. Anything. Because that's usually what gets you on the road to salvation. Or at least it's the start of you getting on that road, potentially. And so, I'll stand with anybody in that epistemological battle, regardless of our doctrinal differences. One of my best friends, as you guys well know, I'm co-author of my next book. Well, after that one. The next next book, Daniel Horowitz, doesn't believe Jesus is Messiah. I'm staking my eternal soul on it. There's people who look like us right now in your home state of Dearborn, Michigan, lining up against next to yep. a, a, a lot of Muslim yep. believers to yep. fight the exact same enemy. Agreed. Yep. Now, I'm not compromising exactly. my faith that Jesus walked out of that tomb for Daniel or any of the rest of you. I've bet my eternal soul, my family, everything, the most important things in this world, I've bet on it. But epistemologically, he's got the same problems in his synagogue that we have in our churches. So with that as a backdrop, I want to walk you through something that I put out on social media yesterday as a topic for this week's Theology Thursday. Eight years ago, I wrote my first wide distribution book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again. And the basis for this book was my Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, which I still think are very strategically valid, but they're not strategically sufficient. They're valid, but not sufficient. In and of themselves, they are not equipped to handle what we are up against now. So I think it's time for an addendum, given the signs of the times. We have sunk, or reached, depending on your perspective, to, uh, to a new level of culture war since I wrote that book in eight years. We are officially now, I believe, in a cold civil war between the left America and what is left of America, between the spirit of the age and Western civilization, or what we used to call Christendom. Now that we have evolved from the political to the existential, we need to evolve our tactics accordingly from the political to the existential as well. We will not be able to merely vote our way out of this any longer. To that end, or just get better candidates to win primaries, the stuff that I wrote Rules for Patriots about won't be sufficient any longer. To that end, here's how I've evolved. My tactics, and you've probably picked this up on the show in recent years, given the signs of the times. Commandment number one, we cannot restore a republic based on God-given rights without God. In other words, revival or bust. Nothing singularly secular or secular in origin has any chance against what we're up against. No chance. No chance at all. Commandment number two, human nature is not basically good and to pretend otherwise will make us simps for the spirit of the age who ultimately succumb to it or incapable of doing what must be done to defeat it. I, I believe I read a Cato Institute book on limited government and, and so drag queen story time hour is a blessing of liberty. Nope. It ain't. You know what's a blessing of liberty? Justice. That's what it is. That's, I'm much more bow to your sensei here uh, than I am blessing of liberty. I'll shove that blessing of liberty right up your ass. Commandment three. 
We are not up against a mere political movement or philosophy, but a rival religious cult, or what we call on this program the spirit of the age. Therefore, spiritual opposition requires spiritual weaponry, like prayer, for example, like letting the lion out of its cage, as another example. Let the lion out. It is a vicious beast. Let it do its job. Commandment four, the Constitution is not a suicide pact, but a social compact. And if one side of the union has dissolved the self-evident truths within it that are supposed to bind us, then I am under no obligation to restrain myself by its perceived technicalities to stop them. Commandment number five, I will do everything short of disobeying the word of God to oppose this evil. Short of risking offending Almighty God, I care nothing for your misguided nostalgia, your unwritten rules, how offended my opposition feigns to be at my ruthless pursuit of their defeat. I don't care. There's, I don't care. I don't, there's no name you could call me. There's nothing. I, I don't. There's not a number in known mathematics, an integer that goes low enough for me to truly quantify how little I freaking care. Commandment number six. With that said, we cannot outlie liars. We can't out cult cultists. We can't out tribal tribalists. They're always going to beat us at this. The truth is our most potent ally, even if at times it offends our own biases and preferences. Without transcendent adherence to truth, we are at best resurrecting the spirit of the Bastille. I want no part of that, by the way. Not the spirit of 1776. Commandment number seven, I will not voluntarily self-censor or shudder weapons of mass destruction like the scriptures or actual American history at the bequest of my adversaries. Nor will I permit those who hold no standard at all to tell me what standards I will hold who represents me to. Imagine if Lincoln got up one day and read an editorial in the Confederate Daily. Ulysses Grant drunk again. And he's like, you know, we just, we need a more temperate general. How freaking stupid would that be? Well, it was that stupid for a while until yeah, they it got was, to him. It was, until he actually hired the drunk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was that dumb for a while. Yeah, you're right. Great point. Commandment number eight. I will not pressure someone who shares my values to violate their conscience or condemn them if they don't to the end result I desire. For that is the rotten fruit of the enemy who demands slavish devotion to his agenda and therefore no rights of conscience. I know some of you that... At this point, the Republicans have lost you so much, you could never vote for them again. Is there a valid reason to come to that conclusion? Yes. I know some of you that are like, I don't care if the Republicans nominate a yellow dog at this point, we have to vote for them. Is there a valid reason to come to that conclusion? Yeah. In fact, myself, I've held both of those positions in just like the last three years or four years. All right. So I'm not into convincing people to violate their conscience. I'm into defending rights of conscience. It's the, other, it's the other side, the spirit of the age that doesn't care about your conscience and wants it seared to its groupthink instead. You're not an individual. You're an automaton. Number 10, or number nine, I'm sorry. I will be willing to ally myself strategically with those who may not comprehensively share my values, at least not yet anyway, but share my concerns as to the pursuit of the truth. However... I will also not compromise my values for those allies either. I will not. Number 10. 
This is a worldview steel cage match. Two worldviews have entered. Only one will leave. Therefore, play fight to win. Confront peaceably, but aggressively. Settle for nothing but surrender. Do not accommodate evil. For this evil, I promise you, will not and has no plans to accommodate you. We will put this out as a separate clip if you want to save this later on on our Rumble page at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. But for now, gentlemen, questions, comments, or insults? I think a lot of that is summed up this way. Go to Nineveh. You're going to hem in your haw. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of... Uh, David French and Jonah have a lot in common. But all those excuses, the only place they're going to get you sooner or later is to get swallowed up by a whale. I mean, yours is to be faithful at this moment. That's what letting the lion out of its cage really means. We we have visions of Aslan and, and, and things like that. But don't other this thing. It's... It's you and God in relationship. Be faithful. How tiny is your God if you simply do not trust it after believing whatever you believe to trust it in the first place to take on what is in front of us now? The promise of your faith means that the victory is already at hand. Be not afraid. Go to Nineveh. There is no other way. Well said, Todd. I think there are three commandments, and I think I, I'm sure this was to some degree intentional. If it was not, uh, it's inspired, but it seems from one to ten, it was very much ordered like uh, the original Ten Commandments, in that number one is obviously the most important and the highest of order, and that is it's revival or bust. That's the number one. That's the number one of these top ten that I find more, most important. And of course, the rest of them, I think, are in the right order. But I believe there are three, the next two especially, that far too many people do not understand. The next one is four. The Constitution is not a, a, a suicide pact. It was supposed to be a social compact. Far too many people still, I see, would rather ponder the lint in their navels while they have a gun pointed at their foreheads or a gun pointed at their families and say, well, the Constitution says you can't pull the trigger. Yes. Meanwhile, double action revolver, starting to squeeze the trigger. You you know, the Constitution says you can't do that. You can't do that. You're a bigger danger to yourself. You could do literally anything. You're a bigger danger to yourself and your family than you are the enemy. And yes, it is the enemy. It's not a suicide pact. Stop pondering the lint in your navel, navels. Start doing hand-to-hand combat instead. Amen. The next one that I think is most important that the most people have a, a difficult time with is number three. We're not against an ideology, not up against an ideology. We're up against a cult. Do you know what it means when you were up against a cult? I don't think a lot of people, I don't think enough people anyway, know what is what is required when you go up against a cult. They're going to learn it in real time and already are. Hour two is next.
Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Don't forget to let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. Find me on Truth Social at RealSteveDace, and then you can find clips of the show free of any censorship and free to watch when you go to Rumble.com slash Show as well. Uh, tip of the cap to all of our podcast listeners. You're a big reason why we're going to get to stay employed around here for another few years please if you've yet to do this leave us a five-star review hit subscribe or follow thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already this portion of the show brought to our friend brought to you by our friends over at public sq for public square we are beginning to realize more and more that we've got to change the way the marketplace works if we're going to restore the republic here Uh, because the number one tool that is used to fund and divide us even more than government is woke corporatism. If you want to do something about that, help to create the parallel economy that we need. You can help us right now. Partner with Public SQ. It is the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses the nation has ever seen. Help use this app to connect to freedom-loving Americans within your local community and businesses all over the country. Just go to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, download the app, the Public SQ app, create a free account, and then begin your search. You can even list your business there for free so that your local community can find you today. Again, download the app today. Public SQ for Public Square. Public SQ, both at the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. Public SQ for Public Square. This is an interview probably long overdue, but in light of recent news, it was finally time to introduce our audience to those of you that don't know him already. To an attorney by the name of Thomas Renz, and we want to welcome him here to Blaze TV radio and podcast. Thomas, my name is Steve Dace. It's a pleasure, brother, to have you with us finally. Long overdue. How are you? I'm great. I'm honored to be here, Steve. I got, I got the call from you guys. I was feeling pretty important. I was like, hey, step up. <laughs> you might be the first person that's ever told us that, actually. So thank you for boosting our ego as well. For people that don't know, a little bit about your background and really, you, from the very beginning, have been in the, in the octagon here against what I like to call COVID stand. Tell us how and why. Yeah, so, I mean, the single most important thing about my background is that I'm a nobody. And the reason that's important is because if there's one thing that people can take from my fight, it's that you don't have to be a big shot to fight. So I'm a lawyer from a little town in Ohio. I was a solo practitioner, answered my own phones, and you're right, day one of the lockdowns, the first thing I did when they said I couldn't leave my house was go out into my pickup truck, my big V8 climate-changing pickup truck, (laughs) rolled down my windows and drove around town. Uh, Then when I got back from town, uh, I did something else to, to annoy everyone on the left. I prayed. And I asked God, I said, you know, listen, I feel like this is wrong. I feel like I need to fight it. And if you put it before me, I'm going to fight it. And he did. So I've been fighting from the beginning. It just so happens that prior to the lockdowns, I was working on a master's in health science. And yeah, I saw this disease coming out of Wuhan, China, and I saw all the nonsense in the media about it. And so I was looking at it from the science side and nothing that the media was saying was true. So the lockdowns come and I'm like, okay, not only is none of this true, 
but they're breaking the law, violating the Constitution, doing all these things on lies. So, like I said, I, I, I drove my uh, climate-changing pickup truck and uh, said a prayer, and then the fight started. I've been fighting ever since. We fought the lockdowns, we fought the masks, we fought the uh, vaccines, we're fighting everything you can fight. Uh, the case that we just filed that is, I mean, probably the biggest news case that I've ever filed was uh, against EcoHealth Alliance and a few other people. And we've alleged that they created SARS-CoV-2 in the lab. It got out and it killed 6.5 million people. Can you give our audience, before we get to this meta suit that you've just filed, prior to that, um, victories and fights that you have had against COVID, Stan, on a, on a more parochial level over the previous 29 months included what? Oh, we've had a lot of victories in, in uh, private cases, EEOC type things, discrimination type things, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, the thing about those cases is they're a little bit rough because if you come to it, I actually am a lawyer. So people see me do like video and they think that I'm, you know, just a video guy, but I'm a lawyer, right? So I can't share your details. If you come to me and you say, hey, can you help me? I can't necessarily make every case a big public case. But we've had a lot of victories in, in that, and I think those will continue. Uh, we're going to see more victories coming in related cases. I think we're going to see stuff. Uh, they're going to have to recognize the disability that they're creating by uh, jabbing people. We're working on that. I think probably one of the biggest wins we had didn't actually come in court but certainly came as a result of what we did in court. So we had filed a case against the lockdowns in Ohio, and uh, that case was in process, and we were we were re repositioning it and redoing it. And during the time that that case was, was paused and out of the courts, uh, the state of Ohio actually passed a law that limited the governor's ability to lock us down. Uh, the governor vetoed it. Uh, Republican Mike DeWine vetoed that because you know he's a, he is the embodiment of Rhino. And then uh, our Republican legislature actually had the courage to override his veto on it. Hmm. So uh, we had worked very hard to with our partners and all sorts of good people in Ohio to create that political pressure. I was very proud of that. Uh, we've been involved with. Uh, Oh, boy, a lot of, you know, getting people out of hospitals. We got it's one of the toughest parts of the job that I've had throughout this is the hospital stuff. Yep. Uh, I can't even tell you how heartbreaking it is to have someone call you and begging, you know, please save my son's life, save my daughter's life, save yep. my mom's life. And uh, you go to battle and you get some out. You don't get others out. And then there's a lot of them that you just can't help because there's only so many hours in the day. Uh but we had some successes there, uh, some failures. Uh, but overall, uh, we've, we've continued to move the ball down the road, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of the work we've done. I wanted you to itemize that for our audience, Thomas, because there's a lot of crossover, obviously, between Daniel Horowitz's audience and mine, um, and given our friendship, but it's, it's not uniform either. And so for those that maybe don't have time to, you know, listen to Daniel and I both every day and maybe just choose our show instead of his, they may not be as familiar with some of your work. And so when we get into the action that you are now undertaking, where you are, you've had, you're actually going after the Death Star now. I want them to understand that this isn't fly by night. 
This isn't, let me glom onto this now that the narrative is unraveling and there's maybe a chance to make a name for myself. I'm not a Johnny come lately. You're in a very small, exclusive group of attorneys. My buddy Matt Staver at Liberty Council, Brian Fester and our friends at We the Patriots USA, a very, very small group of attorneys all over the country that have actually been willing to take this on when it wasn't popular to do so, when people didn't quite understand the full scope of what was happening. And so I wanted them to know that... You going here is not flighty, that this is an escalation in in an ongoing conflict and it's it's most logical conclusion to eventually go right to the source. And so I wanted them to see that you have been working your way up the the demonic food chain here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just to give you kind of a picture of this, you know, we started, like I said, we started the first case I filed was 700 plus pages. And, uh, you know, I had one other attorney that helped me a little bit. And uh, I mean, he was a great he's a great partner and a great friend. He helped a lot with that. But, uh, you know, most of the writing was mine and then some volunteers that did some great work. Um, It was a huge case. It was to this day, uh, you know, the stuff that was in there is inarguable. And it's just it'll make you sick if you read it, because it was filed in September ish of 2020. And if you look at what we actually knew and what I could cite in government documents in, in, in September of 2020 and think about what nonsense we've endured since then, it, it, if that doesn't make you sick, I don't know what is. I mean, we've broken news. We broke news about, uh, you know, the deaths being caused by the vaccines. We've had whistleblowers from CMS. We've protected a ton of whistleblowers. We've mm-hmm. done a lot of that. Um, we've had a lot of whistleblower data. We did uh, the the roundtable with Senator Johnson, where we uh, helped introduce the data from the military whistleblowers on the DoD numbers that showed that they're killing our soldiers. So no, we've we've been working from the beginning. We've worked very hard, and I'll tell you that this particular case, you know, a lot of people were wondering what happened because from about May until just now things had been pretty quiet in my world. And the reason they were quiet was because I, it took me six months to develop this. We worked around the clock for that long. And I, I gotta say, I, I am just indebted to Dr. Andrew Huff to make Americans free again, Pam Popper, and uh, Patty Finn, who's a co-counsel on the case. This was a huge, huge undertaking. And no, it is absolutely not fly by night. It's not glomming onto anything. Uh, the amount of work and effort that's gone into this has been absolutely mind-blowing. And it's really uh, an honor to have been able to be a part of this fight and to, to get to the point where we're able to file a case like this. And you only get one crack at the Death Star, so you better come correct and do your homework, right? You, you, cannot, you cannot go there on a whim. So let's get oh. to that battle now that you have... Uh, you've declared. Let's start with a name that you just mentioned. Who is Andrew Huff? So Dr. Andrew Huff is, well, he's now become a real good friend of mine. Uh, Huff is a military veteran. He's an infantryman. He's got a master's in security technology. He's got a PhD in environmental epidemiology. Uh, He's one of these guys that's entirely too smart for his own good. He worked at Sandia National Labs, which is kind of like the DARPA thing. It's you know the the smartest of the smart scientists that you know the government puts in labs and places, and they just work on things. And uh, when he got out of all that, he worked at EcoHealth Alliance. 
and he worked at EcoHealth Alliance from 2014 through 2016. And during his tenure there, uh, Andrews testified and, and given me a declaration under penalty of perjury that SARS-CoV-2 was created by EcoHealth Alliance in the lab in Wuhan, China. Good, so let's pause for the, right there for just a second, just for a point of order. 2014 to 2016, this would have been the period of time that the Obama administration allegedly had a moratorium on gain-of-function research. It would have been during that moratorium period. So yes. I, I wanted I wanted to clarify that. Go ahead and finish. I'm sorry. Yes, it, it is. And uh, it's it's interesting because Fauci said that there was no gain of function research going on, although uh, his crew granted an exemption to EcoHealth Alliance to do gain of function research. So I don't know how Fauci is not under investigation for perjury. Uh, particularly in light of the fact that, I mean, you look at what they've done over January 6th, you look at what they've done, uh, you know, Steve Bannon, contempt of Congress for not showing up for this, uh, you know, going through Melania's underwear drawer. But uh, Fauci, who funded the creation of a disease that killed six and a half million people, uh, he lies to Congress about it and nobody seems to care, right? So this is a shocking thing. And so what we did was we had Andrew's testimony that, yes, they created this. And there's a lot more to his testimony. But then because we really wanted to make sure that we did our work and did it right, we spent months developing an accompanying report, which we released a couple of weeks ago. The report's got over 130 citations. And basically, it was every piece of data and information we could find to corroborate everything that uh, Dr. Huff was talking about. And so we put the two together to be able to act as the evidence for the foundation of this case. And like I said, it took an immense amount of time and effort, but Dr. Huff was a critical, critical component to this. You know, the guy's been harassed for speaking out. Uh, he's, he's just endured all sorts of things, but he stood strong. He's really been steadfast in this because he really believes it's the right thing to do. And yeah, his testimony and his declaration, which are available in that report, uh, are just incredibly damning, frankly. I think I want to make sure we reiterate something that you just posited. Beyond his credibility as a witness, you have independent third party corroboration of his claims because we live in an era where not saying this happened. But they can take someone who is who's been running for office in the same state for 50 years and then right before they're ele about to get elected to the United States Senate and maybe be the deciding vote on which Supreme Court justice overturns Roe in the future. Lo and behold, they find out that, um, um, you know, this guy has actually been trolling the malls of this rural state looking for sexual underage sexual conquest for years. And then ultimately it ends up getting proven in court that the whole thing was a scam. But that's, you know, five years after his entire reputation has been ruined. Not saying that something like that's literally occurred, but we are living in an era where they're capable of those sorts of machinations. Right. And so you don't want to yeah. be out there with your, you know, what flopping in the wind the day that poor Andrew Huff gets hit by a bus proverbially or literally right so you've got corroboration beyond just his credibility as a witness oh yeah yeah like i said we we really really took that serious because you know andrew listen i've been to his house i spent an immense amount of time with him he's a credible guy he's a good guy i met his wife and his kid i mean you know i there's really not much more i could have done to investigate him 
And uh, like I said, he's become a friend. You know, we, we chit chat. And so at this point, I don't know that there's anything else I could do, but I, I'm completely comfortable with his testimony. But beyond that, we also knew that it's exactly like you say. You can't put all your bags, eggs in one basket. If, you know, they just try and discredit this guy. So what we did was we searched everything we could. And the best part of, of the 133-plus citation report that, that MAFA helped us to develop was that throughout that, we used their words. We used their papers. We used their documents. Mm -hmm. their, by they, I'm talking about Anthony Fauci. I'm talking about Peter Daszak. I'm talking about Ralph Barrick. I'm talking about all these people who were involved in this. Uh, thank God for the FOIA work that some of these guys have done. Uh, there's a bunch of good people out there doing that, you know, that, that you know, they found some great stuff. And that, part of that allowed us to corroborate what he was saying. So, you know, I feel very, very good about the fact pattern here, about the evidence that we have so far. To file this case as an attorney, I have to have a good faith belief that the evidence can, can back up what I'm alleging. Uh, I am absolutely happy to stand behind this. Six months of research, teams of people, all sorts of stuff. To my mind, I am completely comfortable alleging that Peter Daszak, EcoHealth Alliance, Ralph Barrick, and the, the rest of the crew created SARS-CoV-2 in the lab in Wuhan, China. It got out. They knew they didn't have adequate safety protocols. They did it anyways. And now, as if all that's not enough, Anthony Fauci just sent them another check so they can keep doing the same work in the same lab, because six and a half million dead isn't enough. To what end? And, and, and how much of that, right, you know, as a lawyer, means motive opportunity or, you know, three pillars of proving any kind of criminal or, mal or malfeasant action, you know, was intended or took place, right? So to what end? I mean, we, we know that the head of the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology is the former head of the Chinese bioweapons program. It wasn't just that they were doing dangerous gain-of-function research, as I have pointed out many times. They were doing it with the expressed intent of what they called spillover potential, meaning they were specifically provoking doing this research by itself in any, yep. for any purpose is dangerous. But they were specifically doing it to provoke these viruses to leap from animal to human. They were doing it for that end. But that wasn't an accident. They, on purpose, wanted to make that event occur in a lab. Was it to create a bioweapon? Was it because they thought they were doing something altruistic to create the new super vaccine for the next SARS or MERS level event and it just blew up in their face? Or is that not germane to proving the claims of your case, Thomas? Well, you got to remember that when we bring a case like this, it's about justice and accountability, right? Mm -hmm. uh, justice and accountability, when you lost your brother, sister, mother to a disease that was created in a lab irresponsibly, it, it means a lot of things. And part of it means understanding. So there's, there's what's germane and uh, critical to proving our case. And then there's also what's critical to understanding what's destroyed our economy and killed millions of people over the last three years. And I view both as being equally important in this, because at the end of the day, we've got people who are still in positions of power and still doing the same thing mm -hmm. that, you know, ultimately facilitated this. So when we look at this, I'm going to I'm going to pose this. Right. So this is a, somewhat separate from the case and I can't quite get there in proof, but I believe 
So we have evidence of CIA, intelligence community, all sorts of involvement, right? We see uh, Andrew gave me, I have physical copies of, of a pitch deck he did to InQtel. InQtel is a CIA investment firm. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen, you know, he's testified to the fact that he, uh, that Peter Daszak talked to him about working with the CIA. We've seen all these sorts of things. Here's the thing. It looks to me like our intelligence community and our DOD was aware that we were transferring this technology and doing this this sort of dangerous, dangerous work in a lab that was tied in with a weapons develop bioweapons development for the Chinese Communist Party. So in a, in a country that has said they want to use bioweapons against mm -hmm. us, they've talked about it since the 90s. Now, I cannot believe for a second that all that was happening. Uh, investment money from USAID, which is frequently watched by by intel the intelligence community and all these different things. I cannot fathom that happening without our DOD and intelligence community being aware of it. Mm -hmm. The question I would pose is, who in God's name thinks that's a reasonable idea? Mm. I'm of the belief that if they did that, there had to be a reason. They had to think they were going to get something out of it. I don't know what that is, but why else would you allow that? Why would you allow us to teach the Chinese how to make bioweapons? Because that's essentially what we did here. And it's a huge question that no one's investigating. And it's a mind-blowing thing. And, you know, I'm going to pose one more thing to you, Steve. If we're looking at why wouldn't you investigate this, why wouldn't you look into this further? Well, you know, our president's son has gotten into a little bit of trouble. Well, we've got a paper trail showing that Rosemont Seneca invested in Metabiota. Metabiota was a partner in this. Hmm. Now, we don't know exactly what they did, but they were announced as a partner in the work that resulted in the creation of SARS-CoV-2 in the Wuhan lab. So my question is, did he make any money off of it? Did Hunter Biden make any money off of the creation of this disease that killed six and a half million people? Why aren't we investigating this? You know, is, is the intel community involved? How are they involved? There's a lot of questions that aren't an being answered here, and they're reasonable questions. Now, I'm not telling you that the intel community did it, and I'm not telling you that Hunter Biden got rich off of it. I'm telling you that there's a good reason to ask these questions, and nobody's asking them. You're, 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 providing, a, the you're providing a, a framework for why very few people on either side of the aisle, because it's not just the Hunter Biden connection here, but if we get into defense contracting and everything else, I mean, look at a state like Texas, Thomas, $700 million in yep. defense contracting went, was imported into the state of Texas last year, $700 million, right? Yep. And this is the problem with unibrow, globalist, elitist, duopolistic, um, you know, oligarchical power is no one has an incentive to hold anybody accountable, brother, because everybody has some level of culpability. Someone is to blame if people like you start peeking under the bed. Yeah, yeah, nobody wants that. And in fact, I mean, so two weeks ago, I make an announcement of this report. So for the last year and a half, I've heard, you know, a number of people say, particularly Republicans, we're going to go after Anthony Fauci. We're going to hold him accountable. He's not going to get away with this, right? We think he developed this in a lab. If you elect us, we're going to go after it. Mm -hmm. So I spent six months putting the data together, getting a witness, tying it up, putting a nice little package with a bow on it, and I deliver it. Silence. Mm. 
silence. I even had mainstream conservative outlets that wouldn't report on this. Nothing. Now, for two, almost two years, these guys have been talking about holding Fauci accountable. Was it talk? Or were they actually interested? Because I've given you what you need. I don't know what else you could need. Listen, I'm a lawyer, so I'm going to tell you that if I were a prosecutor and someone handed me this, I would say there's more than enough to investigate whether Fauci committed perjury. That'd be a good start. I think there's a lot of other things that should be investigated, too, particularly in light of the fact that, the, you know, 6.5 million people dead, the economy's on the verge of collapse, uh, you know, Biden's still out there, you know, taking advantage of, of an emergency that doesn't exist, even though he's declared that the pandemic's over, he's still got his emergency powers going on. You know, there's all this nonsense occurring. No one will touch it. Now, maybe they will after the election. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, Ron Johnson is the only one I've found that's had the courage to speak on any of this. I know. I'm hoping that... That's that why Rand I made Paul my largest individual well. donation to a politician ever to a senator from a state that I don't live in because of what you just said. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'm grateful for what he's done, and I hope people are supporting him. I'm hoping that Rand Paul and Jim Jordan will come out on this. You know, I don't know. They've spoken a lot about this, and, you know, we're very, you know, we've, we've sent it to them. I don't know whether or not they're, they care, but it's there. Um, we're hoping these guys will speak out. I've offered, listen, Steve, I have publicly volunteered, volunteered. I'm not a rich guy. I'm a nobody lawyer from Ohio. I have volunteered my time and volunteered to raise money to help any elected official that wants to sincerely wants to investigate this in the investigation, state or federal. I've uh, AGs, governors, you know, anyone federal, I've offered to do whatever I could do to help support that because they have destroyed the world. They've used this as a pretext for the election nonsense in 2020. They used it as a pretext for lockdowns, for all these changes. I mean, everything that's happening, this mm -hmm. was this was the cornerstone of that plan. Okay. No one wants to look into it. I've got two minutes left. I want to make sure our audience knows how to track this case, Thomas. So can you give us, you know, what's next in the adjudication process? Is there a place they can go to keep track of this case? Yeah, so, I mean, I will keep posting updates on my website at rens-law.com. You know, we'll keep it. Rens, R-E-N-Z, pardon me, R-E-N-Z, rens-law.com, rens-law.com. Yes, Go ahead. Yes, sir. And, you know, there's a there's a give, send, go and a sub stack. If you if you're inclined to donate or to support us, please do uh, share our information on social media. We got to get it out there. A big part of this is educating the public, because if enough people demand investigations, they'll have to do something. But we got to get millions of people demanding it. Uh, but we'll keep posting it. We'll keep coming back out to the media. Steve, we'd love to come back and talk to you. You bet. Uh, you know, to just keep you guys in the loop on what's going on. And uh, we've got a lot of very, well, I'd like to think they're clever ideas for this litigation to make sure that it's done well. At least that's six months of planning, a lot can get done. And uh, we'll see. I mean, we got some surprises up our sleeve, I hope. And I'm just praying that this can be the first step in bringing actual accountability to some of the monsters who are truly behind this whole thing. Well, maybe me, maybe Michigan fans like me, we need to stop with. We don't give a damn about the whole state of Ohio. You guys are doing phenomenal work there. All right. So keep that up. And you bet we want to continue to cover it and give it as much sunlight as we possibly can. Uh, Rens-Law, R-E-N-Z as in zebra, Rens-Law.com 
is where you can go and where you can also find out about how you can donate to the effort as well. Thank you, Thomas. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Steve. You bet. God bless you, man. Appreciate it. Wow. Um, we'll get back to this conversation in a moment. Uh, I want to mention again, one of the new partners that we launched a relationship with this week is Preborn. Uh, they are a full comprehensive pro-life ministry. They, they don't just, they understand in the post Roe v. Wade era now, we're in hand-to-hand combat. Mom-to-mom, baby-to-baby combat now with the spirit of the age to save as many children and as many mothers uh, from uh, falling into the clutches of the spirit of the age as possible. They don't just fight it out, though, in the streets where they find out that 80% of the time when a mom hears their kid's heartbeat, they their conscience is pricked and they can't go through with it. But they want to care for that mom and the baby afterwards. All right. So uh, they also provide maternity baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling. They do all this follow-up. All this follow-up aftercare, and they do it all free of charge. They just need help from people like us to help rescue these babies and their mommies, and they've been doing it for the last 15 years. If you want to help our friends over at Preborn, all right, uh, dial pound 250, dial pound 250 and say keyword baby when you do. Pound 250 keyword baby or go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. We get some reaction to this conversation that we just had when we return here in a moment. Back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. If you missed the news yesterday, before I could even make the pitch because I'm out of space for my growing built bar collection. Before I could even make the pitch, I walked in with the box, showed it to Erzin. He immediately assaulted me, grabbed it out of my hands to taste one of these pumpkin pie built bars. This, that, that, it's pretty close to what literally happened, at least pretty close. It is. All right. Because you wanted to find out for yourself before I could even make the pitch. Are these legit, right? Yeah, research, science. Indeed. It's always about the science yes. around here. I hear you. So what did the science tell you when you did uh, the research? I, I don't have the sweet teeth like you. I wanted to know if they could pull this off. Again, this is the holy grail of pumpkin dishes, pumpkin pie. And then I was even more skeptical when I pulled it out of the package and I saw the white coating. Right. So you're just, it's just the color white. You're just lying to me. This yep, is whipped, yep, this is the yep, whipped cream. Yep. No, it's all in there, man. It's all, they did it. Then Aaron got hangry later in the day. You tried it as well, Aaron. And, and, and you gave it a, a helmet sticker. Tremendous. If you want to try the new pumpkin pie built a bar, uh, pumpkin pie puff built bar flavor or any of their other great flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate, all of them packed with protein, so much flavor, you won't believe they're only 130, 140, 150 calories. You won't even believe it. Um, and, and they're going to rival a lot of the candy bars out there on the market, not loaded with the carbs, calories, and sugars you're trying to avoid. But this is, this is just good eating. If you want to try it right now or try it again, again, I uh, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for built.com. That's where you can get Built Bar for 15% off with the promo code Dace. 15% off at built.com with the promo code Dace. All right, we're going to forego, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to forego three non-political questions uh, because that interview, 
uh, went a little longer than I thought it would. And frankly, it could have gone even a lot longer than that. We just ran out of time. But we have got to have some reaction to what we heard there. And, and I want to start by invoking a name. You guys remember the name Jim Garrison? Does that name ring a bell to you at all? Yeah, of course. He's what, the, who's, who's Jim Garrison? He's the attorney represented by uh, or played by Kevin Costner in JFK. Real person. Yeah. yeah. He, I think, was like a DA or assistant DA in uh, New Orleans in the parish down there. Right. right? And uh, he is the one that um, a lot of the things that we now know about the JFK assassination. And, and keep in mind that the official U.S. government position, this often goes unreported, but in 1979, uh, the House Select Committee on Assassinations reopened the investigation uh, into several assassinations from that era, but including John F. Kennedy's, and came to the conclusion that JFK was killed as a result of a conspiracy, although they still maintain that Lee Harvey Oswald was the assassin. One of the things that uh, was the linchpin of Jim Garrison's case in in, in that era uh, involved a man, uh, a local businessman named Clay Shaw that was played by Tommy Lee Jones in the Mm -hmm. film that Clay Shaw was a CIA CIA asset uh, that he had recruited Lee Harvey Oswald to the CIA and that Oswald's so-called pro Castro communist Um, propaganda was a cover for the fact that he was actually recruited out of the military into the CIA as an anti-communist asset, that this was a cover. And Clay Shaw was basically his, I don't know what we'd call him, you know, point man, I guess we would say, right? Groomer. Yeah. And groomer. Yeah. Uh, The CIA denied this at the time and and the trial that takes place in JFK involves you know, he's the star witness uh he this was denied for many many years well if you actually go to the archives now that they have opened they haven't opened all of the archives into the jfk assassination yet but what but the, what, what you, they have made available in the national archives actually does now admit that clay shaw was indeed a cia operative that was true they lied about that so then you start asking yourself well they lied about that who knows what Jim Garrison was was right about, but he was right about that. So we know he's Ray Epps. Yeah. So if he lied, well, there, there you go. If he lied, they lied about that. What else did they lie about? Right. Right. And the whole time I'm listening to Thomas Renz, especially when he said, I'm just a nobody lawyer from Ohio. He's just a nobody district attorney from New Orleans. Okay. I kept thinking that the name Jim Garrison kept coming to mind. I, I don't know. Now, I know a lot more about piecing the details of this case together than I, you know, something, an event that occurred a full decade before I was born. All right. So I I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's right about almost everything that he just said. Okay. But he's, I promise you, he's at least right about some of the things that he said. And as long as he's right about some of those things, then eventually everything else kind of comes out. The question is, are you willing to be the person that takes that heat? Are you willing to be the person that says, I'll take that smoke. I'm fine with it. Not a lot of people are, frankly. Not a lot of people are. And, and on a very individual level, Thomas Renz is the fulfillment of something we say on this show a lot. We are not a nation of laws. And we never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. He has the will to go through with this. So, let's find out. 
your thoughts? Well, you can sense his frustration at the near the end, his willingness to go unpaid as a consultant, like nationwide, whoever wants him, I'll work for free to get this story out. Yet, how few in uh, Congress are reaching out, even when it's political expedient? And here is the thing to me. At the beginning, the fear across the board just paralyzed people. Forget the agenda-driven stuff. This is the real problem. I remember I was just there last week to celebrate one of my daughter's birthday. She happened to choose the restaurant I was sitting in on the weekend when everybody went crazy. And I was sitting there watching the the television about uh, malls and people full of malls and looking at my Twitter feed and all kinds of conservatives and Republicans saying, we got to shut this whole thing down. And I knew how much trouble we were in. Mm-hmm. Now that the fear is clearly aside, in, in any number of ways, Steve, you highlighted how many people aren't even taking the booster. So even amongst the left, the, but... 95% of the people aren't taking the booster, the, but yes. Fear isn't the deadliest sin. Pride is. Mm-hmm. And pride amongst all those who, even when it's political expedient, should be racing to him, even if they really... I don't really care about the justice, the details of it. I'm a political hack, and I think I can kneecap these people with it. They're not doing it because of the pride. Everybody let themselves be duped by this thing. And we are as prideful a people as we've ever been. And that pride is also not coincidentally why Republicans, even when they have red wave victories, ultimately don't capitalize on them because they're operating on something far different than the good, the true, and the beautiful. I just, you have men like this. He's, he's David with one smooth stone. I mean, his story has been told over and over and over again through human history, the one who rises up. Mm-hmm. But I, you mentioned it, at least some of it is true. In a world this prideful, does truth matter? When we are post-argument, uh, I, I'm running to the burning, burning building with him nonetheless, but that's what I'm most fascinated in. Because we've also talked about Republicans about other issues, Steve. We just today, and I'm not, I'm not going to name uh, the name, but about the nonsense he just tried to pull mm-hmm. on another issue that's fundamental to saving our civilization. I, 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 I fear that... We simply do not have the resolve to even care about the truth on something this cosmic. What do you think, Karen? Unfortunately, most days I kind of end up where where Todd has. But I don't, again, I have to keep reminding myself and really forcing myself to choke this down internally that we're never allowed to give up hope. And I know that's not what you're saying, Todd. That's, that's no. just what I'm, I'm thinking. We're, we're never allowed to give up tr- uh, uh, hope. And the truth always matters. Just may not matter right now in terms of actionable, what's actionable or what we'll see consequences of. It always, always matters. I will say, though, the longer this goes on, 
the longer that this charade goes on, the more 20-something collapses, 20-something dies, athlete, everybody knows someone. I, I think, the, I think the, the critical mass, the critical mass of, uh, of people is quickly approaching uh, of people who know other people or themselves have experienced something with this jab or know someone who has died from actual COVID, from actual, the actual disease. The critical mass has to hit sometime. There is, it is there. It is there. I really believe that. It's just who's going to call the bluff? Who's going to do that with a big enough platform? Whether, it, it, whether or not it's for righteous means or whether it's because, hey, this is an opportunity for me to make my name. You know, we waited, and I've said this before, we waited for independent journalists or journalists of any stripe during the pandemic to say, hey, this is the time I get to win my Pulitzer. It's kind of understandable then to some degree. It's understandable then why nobody really stepped up to call the bluff. But now I think there, I, I think there is a big enough mass out there. If somebody steps in or certain somebody's step into the gap and say, hey, um, we're going to start investigating this yesterday. Because bleep, bleep and bleep. Um, I think that's there. That's not what I'm holding my that's not where I'm putting my hope. Ultimately, I just think we're closer to that moment than we ever have been before. You look at what's going on in the European Union. We've talked about the last couple of days. And mm -hmm. apparently those guys have kind of been on the wall for a while. They just haven't been going mainstream, uh, apparently, like they are now. I, I think this is going to keep rolling downhill. Along those lines. How about the fact that we've had, it's only Thursday, twice this week we've had members of the European Union Parliament come out and confirm the scam of the jabs. And we have not heard hide nor hair from Anthony Fauci this week. Nothing. Which to me tells you It's, it's, it's going to take more time to conjure up the counter narrative to the lies at the rate that this is unraveling. It's, this is going to take more than just get them on MSNBC on Zoom in 10 minutes to, you know, spout a talking point and the cult will just nod its head. They only got 5% of Americans took the last round of jabs. Five. It's taking, it's, it, it, it's taking longer. The work is harder to come up with the counter and alternative narrative to what, to the end that Aaron is talking about. And, and it's, and we're at the, just the beginning of this. More is coming. That kind of, it feels like the seal has been broken here to some degree. Um, and we're about to see the most media influential social media platform in the country here probably at the end of the month change ownership in hands which what might that do for a thomas renz's ability to reach an audience without some guy with the avocado toast smeared on his thumbs you know 
on the scale crushing Thomas Renz's Twitter account. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like this has, this has mushroomed. It hasn't mushroom clouded yet, but it's seeping out from underneath the covering. They, they, they can't hold it down now. They can't hold it down. The truth has a way, as the scriptures say, of finding you out. I'll get you guys' take on that in a moment, right after I tell our friends here to remind them about Eden Pure, their best-selling thunderstorm air purifier. I've already shared with you two different notes I got this week from individuals who took the gamble on the Eden Pure air purifier with a cat in the home, uh, with a musky smell and a renovation, and they both were just incredibly impressed at the job that it did. If you want to trust their filterless air purifier so you won't be buying filters and replacing them forever, filterless So you can't get more convenient than that. Three units, they come in packs of three. They'll offer them to you today for under 200 bucks. Three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping. And free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve3. That's my name and the number three for the three pack. Discount code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com. Take advantage of these kick butt air purifiers, whether it's smoke, odors, Pets, B.O., what musky smells, whatever it is. These things can do the job. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code Steve3 to get all three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping. Todd. I totally agree that they won't be able to keep the truth from coming out. The, the, again, my point is that uh, it's whether or not we will care or not. To me, this is like instant replay. It, we said we we needed it because we cared about the truth. Mm-hmm. And then look at the penumbras of definitions of what a catch was. And we just, it, it, and we in many ways just paralyze ourselves. And that's what I'm worried about this, that it's, it's paralysis is going to win instead of truth and justice. Because we know in our guts as a people, if we follow truth and justice here, we have to f- follow it everywhere. And we're not that people right now, which is why prayer is honestly so important on this thing. Do not just rock on the secular cogs to take care of this. Pray and pray mightily that this moment will come. Yeah, it goes back to the 10 updated commandments for political warfare, which you can go watch again and share on Rumble and Steve's Twitter uh, page right now. The number one is the number one for a reason, revival or bust. Not, none of this really matters, honestly. And, you know, truth and justice always matter. Truth and justice always matter. But if we get justice for the wrong reasons, or if we pursue justice for the wrong reasons, Ultimately, I don't really know what that'll come about, come of, or what will come of that. Ultimately, revival is the reason why we why we pursue these things. That's the lasting impact that we need to keep pursuing. Amen. We're back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.